The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, today we're going to be talking about a very important aspect of living life here on planet Earth, one that has been maligned over the centuries of thought uh, either as materialism or as thoughts of the flesh. We think of the body as uh, the source of dark, evil, idiot, unnecessary, or, you know, we think of the body as just objective biology. But actually, the body is the physical organ of the soul. There's no division between matter and soul, though we have lived entire lifetimes. We've planned our politics, our religions, and our families around the notion that there is. The body is a wonderful instrument of synchronicity which constantly informs us of the soul's intentions if we are listening. And even when we don't listen, the soul still has the capacity to speak through the body, through illness. We are given constant guidance and love through the interwoven, interactive, and holistic messaging system of the body-soul. And in the same way, we are being given information by the objects around us. Now, I'm not talking about some kind of woo-woo messaging system where we're being talked to by plants, animals, and other things, but I am saying that we've created a world, we've built our world, we've built our homes, our lives, our relationships around a certain idea about who we are, and in so doing, we, our objects, the things that we own, reflect back to us that image we have of ourselves. Not only do they do that, but who knows what... Uh, quarks of meaning are down in there that can be only explained by quantum physics, which I will not endeavor to explain to you today. The point is that there is a connection between the soul and the body, the soul and matter, but we have disconnected ourselves from that idea because we believe that there is a division bigger than that between the divine and humanity. So let's start with the body. The body has been considered to be basically four different things, none of which involve the soul. The first of those is that it's the source of all evil. Since the beginning of time, it seems, or at least since the beginning of religion, we have uh, begun, been able to put uh, sin onto the body, the flesh it was called. It was weak, and the mind and the soul might be strong, but the body was weak. It was um, the thing that didn't really get it, that it needed to be part of God. And it's interesting, or the divine, it's interesting to me that we had this idea because uh, it, it uh, denies the concept that we were made in a body. It, it sort of says, well, you know, maybe God made a mistake. <laughs> you know, if we think of God as the creator of, of humanity, then we might say, have to say, well, 
if the body is the problem, then why were we created in a body? I say we were created in a body to have an experience in the body. And, of course, we have many people saying to us today that we should be um, trying to explore the mind and the soul more, and one of the ways to do that and even expand into the universe uh, is to have an out-of-body experience. But I say we're here to have an in-body experience because that's what we're here doing. We're having a, an experience in the body. And we, we, you know, we tend to think, well, if the body doesn't last and the soul goes on, if you think that way, many people don't think that way, but if you think that way, um, if the body doesn't last and the soul goes on, then of what use is the body? It, it must not really be all that necessary. It's not really eternal, so it must not be necessary. And yet I would say that it is a part of the journey that we are making, that we've come here to have an experience in the body as a part of the entire journey, and I'm not even sure that any of us know for certain what that journey really is. So for us to say, well, the body's just not necessary, we don't have to really pay attention to it, it's the soul we need to pay attention to. We need to pay attention to our thoughts, which is the mind. And that's how I'm defining mine. Now, that I will have to stop here with an aside and say that there's many different definitions flying around out there about what the mind is and what the soul is and what the spirit is and what the body is. Just for the purposes of this show, I'm going to just quickly define that. The body is the uh, sensing organ of the soul. That's the first definition. The mind is the thinking organism of the soul. The spirit and the soul, in my view, are synonyms. Those are, they both mean the same thing. There are people who will say that the spirit is different from the soul. It's higher, and it's the part of us that goes to heaven, and the soul doesn't. Um, I don't agree with that. I, I think that's way too much of a split. Um, and I think that a lot of that is based on morality, on the idea that, yeah, if the soul is that close to the body, it can't really be good. So, yeah, probably not. It's not going to be the one that we keep. So we want to get rid of that. So... I, it's important to realize those definitions. The body is the sensing organ of the soul. The mind is the thinking organism of the soul. And the soul, of course, is the soul. And the soul is attached to what some people would call an oversoul or sort of a, a divine entity, um, if you will, entity being a, a word that's loosely constructed, um, that, is, uh, that is oneness. That is the spirit inside of all of us, the soul inside of all of us. And it's all, we are, so we're all connected in that sense. So that's how I'm defining it for the purposes of this show, just for clarity's sake. In terms of, uh, of looking at the distinctions between those three things, the body, the mind, and the soul, I think it's important to note that the troublemaker <laughs> is not really the body. It's the mind. It is the part of us that can believe itself separate from the divine. It's the part of us that can project onto people, places, and things all manner of things we don't want to know about ourselves. It's the part of us that can split off into conscious and unconscious. So it's the mind that is the problem if there's a problem. And I think that problem, so to speak, is, uh, is a part of the journey as well. And we can talk about that in a few minutes too. But, but the body is the sensing organ of the soul. And so it, it, the, if, if it's totally connected to the soul, then the soul is a part of that sensing experience. Um, so the hackles on the back of your neck, 
the hairs on the back of your neck, people call it hackles, the hairs on the back of your neck can rise up just before a frightening event. People say it rises up in response to the frightening event, and yes, indeed, it does do that, but very often people have described just before something that's frightening happens, the hairs on the back of their neck arise. It's some body knowing. The body is telling us, up oh, something's about to happen, and we could, could if we tuned into that, pay attention. Um, one of the things that I noticed is that if I get frightened quickly, suddenly frightened about something like some car pulled out in front of me or something like that, the, uh, there are prickling sensations under my arms and around my shoulders that t- tell me that my body is now in a heightened, readied position. Uh, it's, it's about to do something. Um, and, and so the body is, is tuned in. It's paying attention in ways that we don't really notice unless we tune in to what it's telling us. To be out of the body would be to leave the body behind and to, uh, to believe that the body is not really a part of our experience of the soul. And that is how religion has separated body and soul for centuries. The soul is, is, is part of us that is good, or at least striving to be good. The body is the part of us that wants to rebel and be bad and be sinful and do bad things and, and not like God and all that stuff. And so we, we, we have split off. Our mind has split these two things off. They're not really split off, but our thinking, our mind, has decided that the soul and the body are split off. And because we've decided that, we have set up our entire world based on that decision. And what it does is say to us, well, if you're a spiritual person and you like or love things, then you must not be very spiritual. You must be a very materialistic person. And on the other hand, if you are um, experiencing your body, then you can't really be having a, a spiritual experience. And, and so that's how we have kept ourselves from really appreciating the life that we've been given. So that we're here in this body, experiencing body as soul or experiencing soul as body, and we're denying that experience because to have that experience would be so powerful and so potent that we might not be able to take it in. And the reason we're not able to take it in is for the very same reason that Marianne Williamson tells us, that the thing we fear most is our own peace. We don't want to take in our own joy either, because to do so would be to recognize that, that all the things that we've been taught about our separation between the soul and the body are not true. And so we'd have to come to a whole new realization about our experience here on planet Earth. So we don't want to do that, and uh, we avoid it. So the body has been maligned over the centuries as being um, the source of our evil. It is the weakness we have. It is the thing that lusts. It is the thing that hungers. Every one of the deadly sin, seven deadly sins are associated with the body. Um, it is the part of us that gets us in trouble. It's also considered to be the idiot. It is the part of us that is dumb. It is the dumbling in our fairy tale story of our journey here on planet Earth. It is the part of us that just really doesn't know much, and we have to drag it around because, well, it's here. But it's really just kind of this stupid dead weight we carry around with us. And, but as we could see, if we were paying attention, the dumbling in every fairy tale ends up being the hero. And the dumbling that we consider to be the body 
will end up being our hero as we pay attention to it because it is the experiencing organ of the soul. And people who live out of touch with that body experience aren't really experiencing life here on planet Earth. And if we came here to do anything, it's to have an experience of life on planet Earth. I don't know what's going to happen afterward. I don't know what's happened before. I have some ideas, and you probably have some ideas too. But none of us know. But we do know we're here now. And in order for us to experience this life here now, then we have to be richly acquainted with this body that we've thought of archetypally as idiot. So the Dumbling, uh, the story of uh, David in the Bible is the one where he's the smallest of his seven brothers, and he's the youngest, and yet he gets chosen to be king. Um, he's also the, uh, the man who fights Goliath. The story of Jesus in the Bible is the one where he's born in a, a manger, but not in a castle, and yet he's supposed to, he changed the whole face of religion. Um, these are stories that tell us that the dumbling actually is the hero. And of course, there are many, many fairy tales. I would challenge you to get out your fairy tale books and read them over and find out how many fairy tales in which it's true that the dumbling ends up being the hero. The body will be our hero if we let it. Let's stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more about the body as soul. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Mark your calendar for the Institute of Noetic Sciences 14th Biennial Conference, Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming, July 20th to the 24th at the Weston Market Street Hotel in the heart of San Francisco. Deepak Chopra, Edgar Mitchell, Joanna Macy, and others will help you navigate a world transforming. Registration is now open and space is limited. So sign up now to join the IONS Global Community in July 2011. For more information, go to www.noetic.org. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And welcome back. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. That's N-O-E-T-I-C.org. So today we're talking about how much matter really matters in this world we live in. And what we're discovering so far is that the body is the sensing organ of the soul and the mind is the sensing, the thinking organ of the soul. Uh, but we've been taught something different. We've been taught that the body is evil and weak and that the soul is strong and uh, spiritual and the body is bad and the soul is good and the body stays behind and the soul goes on to heaven. These are the things that we've been taught. We've also been taught that the body is idiot. And just before the break, we were talking about how many of our fairy tales uh, end up with the dumbling being the one who uh, ends up as the hero in the story. Uh, The body is considered to be that dumbling in our archetypal memory. It is just idiot. It doesn't know what it's doing. It eats too much. It sleeps too much. It uh, will stay awake at a moment's notice when we, uh, when we want it to go to sleep. We, it, it, it interferes. It's just this nuisance that gets in our way, and it's stupid. Uh, so that's part of the way we think of the body. Another way that we think of it in terms of it being an idiot is that it is sort of the donkey. Clarissa Pinkola Estes says that it's sort of the mule that carries our, around our souls. It's just this thing that is is a burden carrier and and so it carries us but it really has no greater value than that we can whip it and beat it up and try to get it to go faster or longer or harder but really it's just still this thing that we want to push around to get it to do what we want and i've been guilty of that myself i remember a time in my life when when i um would actually move whole house levels of furniture down to or up to another level of furniture without even thinking about whether or not I needed some help. I just would push my body to keep doing it and doing it and doing it stronger, higher, and more. Uh, A little bit of a superwoman there. So, yeah, we can really turn off our associations, our connections with the body, and we can make sure that we don't honor it uh, as much more than just the, the burden carrier, the mule, the donkey in our lives. So that, okay, so it's considered to be evil, it's considered to be weak, it's considered to be idiot, and it's also considered to be unnecessary. It's unnecessary because, you know, really, we're not taking it with us anyway, so what's the point? You don't really have to pay attention to this thing you're not taking with you. It's not eternal, so really, what's the point? But that would be a little bit like a butterfly saying, what's the point of uh, it staying as a larva for a while? Uh, You know, what's the point of a baby being in the womb for a while? The point is that we're having a journey, we're having an experience, and this is part of it. So this part is very important because why we're here now in it, 
that's why it's very important. And so that's why matter matters. Our bodies matter. The other thing that uh, the body is often considered to be is just biological thing. It's an object. It's a, it's a biology. It doesn't have more to it than just the biology that it is. There's no wisdom there. There's no knowledge there. There's no awareness there. There's nothing but just pure biology in much the same way that we would think of uh, a wall as just made up of the materials it's made up of, that we often consider the body to be just a thing that's made up of the materials it's made up of. There's nothing else there. Um, however, again, we have information from the body that's telling us otherwise, that it does have wisdom, that it can give us information, that it can uh, be aware of things, much in the same way that we might see a cat or a dog when it comes into the room uh, uh, start beginning to uh, sniff the air or sort of smell what's going on in the room. What's happening there is that the animal is becoming aware of who just stepped into the room or what just left the room. And in and, and so doing, our body is just that much aware, not just of the external uh, things that are going on around us, but of our own internalities, of our own deepest, meanings. Um, I spoke to someone not long ago who had psoriasis, whose psoriasis began to disappear at the same moment that he became aware of the fact that he was pushing himself to strive forward and, and just constantly beating himself up for not getting there faster. Um, when he stopped thinking that way, the psoriasis went away. So was there a connection there? Well, some people who think the body is just biology would probably tell you, no, there's no connection there. And I am not one of those people who believes that, there, that each body uh, manifestation or illness is associated with a specific thing. I think that's very individual matter in much the same way that dreams are very individual. I think our body informs us in very individual ways about what it wants to say. But that it is a, an aware, uh, alive communicative, um, soulful energy is something that we just typically don't think of when it, when, with regard to the body. When we meditate very often, we, tr uh, we try to sort of get out of touch with the body and go into some other place. But I encourage people to feel the body during their meditation because it's informative. If we include the body in the meditative effort, what's going on is we're, we're, we're taking in the whole wisdom, not just a part of it. And uh, so it's very important to recognize that the body is one of the things we are primarily here to experience. Um, it's not to be sloughed off or thought of as less than the soul, but rather to be thought of as part of the soul. We've been also taught uh, that, the that the soul resides inside the body. For centuries, we've been, we've been taught, particularly through Western religion, uh, that the soul is inside the body. It's, it's um, somewhere around the heart, maybe, and it, uh, it, it, it resides within us. But I think of it very differently. I think we reside within it. I think that we, uh, if you want to think of it as concentric circles for just a minute so you can get an image that I'm working with here, this outer circle of the concentric circles is the soul, and the inner circle of the concentric circle is the body. So that the body operates within the, the soul in much the same way that the nucleus works within the, the outer 
rings of the cell. Um, so it's important to uh, see this as a whole unit and uh, n- not one that can be dismissed. Um, the other idea that we've been pa- had passed down to us through the centuries is that we can be possessed by a devil and that the devil can possess the body and the body can then be taken over by, because it is weak, can be taken over by this devil and, and, and owned by it. But what that belies is the possibility that the body has a mind of its own, that the body has information of its own. It's as if the body can be uh, possessed because it really is nothing. It doesn't have a mind of its own. So it can be taken over and the person can do whatever the, bo- whatever the devil wants it to do instead of realizing that the body might say, yeah, well, I'm not sure I want to do that. <laughs> um, so it, it, and the body does speak about things like that. We, we do hear from the body when it comes to choices. If we listen, if we tune in, we do hear from the body about choices. It can give us sweats. It can give us um, um, a sense of urgency. It can give us a, a fluttering in the tummy, sort of butterfly feeling that says, oh, this is great. It, you know, the body is talking to us all the time, but we have been taught to tune out of the body, unless, of course, we're going to have sex. And then we really want the body to be there for that. And, of course, what that does is, is give the sexual experience much more of an expectation than perhaps it should have, not to say that it isn't a wonderful experience in its own right. It certainly is. But in today's world, once we uh, decided to allow ourselves or give ourselves permission to have sex more, more openly and talk, talk about it more freely, as I'm doing now on this radio show, what happened was that it, it, it took a life of its own, and, and sexual experience began, began to be everything there was to relating to someone. If you weren't having sex with them, well, you weren't really relating with them. So many times I have clients come into the office and say, well, you know, there's nothing else to our relationship. We, we, that's what we do. We have sex. We don't talk. We don't do anything else. That's what we do. We just have sex. And we have great sex. Have a great sex life, <laughs> but there's nothing else happening. And that's because when they got into the relationship, it was all about sex, and then they built it accordingly. So as we process through the body, if we think of the body as unimportant, then what's going to happen is we will begin to repress its importance in the everyday moments, and that importance will sneak out in other ways. And the other ways in today's world, as I view it, have to do with two things, sex and eating. We give the body pleasure in these two ways, and we don't allow it any other pleasure. We don't ever notice it any other time, as a matter of fact, because it's supposed to be relegated to the world of the idiot or the, you know, the donkey or just biology or perhaps it's even evil. So if we look at the body as... Uh, being present in our everyday awareness, then we perhaps would be able to um, eliminate things like sex addiction and obesity. If we bring our body awareness into the present, and that's one of the things people say to do when you're on a diet, for example. They say, taste your food slowly. Take it in. Really experience the flavor and the texture of the food as it's in your mouth. And what that's doing is bringing people into body awareness of the right now instead of postponing all body awareness until you can pig out on something 
that is, you know, that is delicious. And I'm guilty of that just as much as the next person. But the point is that it, if we begin to really allow ourselves the sense, the sense that is the, or, the soul sensing itself through the body, then we begin to really take in life on a whole other level. Uh, but if we, if we push the body awareness and the soul's need to sense itself through the body away, then what, we'll, what we're doing is we're postponing it. And just like anything else that we repress, eventually it will come out in some other form. We, 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 don't, we have somehow holes in our repression system. <laughs> we don't, aren't able to completely wall off the things that we repress. Uh, so they come out in other ways. They come out in ways that are um, not good for us. So if I say I'm not angry, for example, now this would be a more mind um, repression, but it's still a repression. If I say I'm not angry, then later it might come out in some ugly way that's not very, you know, not pleasant for other people. And we're going to talk some more about this right after the break. Stay tuned for more about how your body, your matter, matters. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Mark your calendar for the Institute of Noetic Sciences 14th Biennial Conference, Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming, July 20th to the 24th at the Weston Market Street Hotel in the heart of San Francisco. Deepak Chopra, Edgar Mitchell, Joanna Macy, and others will help you navigate a world transforming. Registration is now open and space is limited. So sign up now to join the ION's global community in July 2011. For more information, go to www.noetic.org. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we're back talking today about how your matter matters, how your body matters, and how your, the objects in your life also matter. We said we'd come back to the objects in our lives, and we are going to do that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the body first, though, because it's important to recognize that the more we repress, as we said just before the break, the more we repress about body awareness, the more it's going to come out in some other not-so-good ways. Um, if, if I tell myself that I uh, shouldn't really be hungry, for example, I shouldn't really um, feel the feelings of uh, the sensations and pleasures of eating, and I tell myself not to do that today, then later tonight I might overeat. And, of course, then we have the eating disorders that run rampant through our country today and how much of that is related to lack of body awareness, uh, have, even living outside of body awareness completely when it comes to anorexia. So if it's important to really take this information in, that the body is the sensing organ of the soul. Without the body, the, the soul is not really sensing its aliveness here on planet Earth. It's, and, and so in, in working with body awareness, we need to tune in. And as you meditate, I would encourage you to really tune in to what's going on in your body um, how does it feel to sit or lay, whichever you do when you meditate? What's going on in your feet? What's going on in your ankles? What's going on in your knees and your hips and your, and your upper torso and your he- neck and your head? What's going on in there? Not just let's relax those things. That's t- typically what we do. We start off a meditation by relax your feet, relax your ankles, relax your, uh, your calves, relax your knees, your thighs, and on up the body. Um, but I would suggest rather than just relaxing those, because that's, again, telling the body what to do rather than listening to the body, I would suggest that you tune in to what's going on in the feet and the ankles and the calves and the knees and the thighs and the hips and on up. So that's a whole different way of viewing it. We are constantly telling our bodies what to do, how to look, how to stand, how to dress, how to perform, instead of listening to our bodies. And and I'm not saying that we don't also need to pay attention to its performance, especially if we're going to be performing in some kind of way, if we're running a race, uh, if we're, you know, dancing, if we're doing something that requires intense body movement, then absolutely we need to be working with the body to help it perform. But in working with the body, we don't want to work uh, it out of body. We don't want to work the body out of awareness of itself. There's a great movie out there right now called The Dark Swan. I would really, really encourage you to watch it because it has, in my view, a deep psychological meaning as well as uh, a story to tell. And one of the deep psychological meanings, as I see it, is that uh, the character, the lead character, is getting in touch with her own shadow side. So that'll be important for you to look at as well. But there's also a body motif going on in this in this show where... She's pushing her body in the extreme. And, of course, the people who wrote the, the story might argue with my interpretation here, so it's, it's loosely constructed and not necessarily right. But uh, what's happening there is that she's pushing her body to, to perform and um, really um, sometimes in the extreme. Um, and so we, and we also know that many performers and models uh, are taught not to eat, not to enjoy the pleasure of eating, to stay out of touch with their body's needs in those ways, and uh, to 
um, organize their lives around their performance rather than uh, allowing their body to speak, uh, to be heard, to be noticed, to be understood. Um, so if we look at the body as just a performer or just, as we said a little while ago, the donkey we kick or push or whip to get to perform, to do carry our burdens or do our work for us, then it, it becomes devalued and it isn't heard. Now, what we're afraid of, on the other hand, is if we start listening to the body, it's going to say, I'm hungry all the time, or I want sex all the time, or, or I want to, um, you know, fly out of an airplane, I mean, jump out of an airplane, or whatever. But we're, the truth is that the more, just like with our psychology, the more we pay attention to what's going on in our psychology, the less we're likely to act out in impulsive and unconscious ways. The same is true of the body. The more we attend to its needs, the less likely it is to speak up in other ways, like binging, like purging even, like uh, uh, um, getting exhausted, like getting sick. The body has to speak in these other ways because we're not listening. We're not tuning in. We've got all kinds of synchronistic information coming at us from the world when we push and push and push and push to be superhuman that tells us to slow down. We don't have to do it that way, but we're not listening to that. And then finally one day... The body starts kicking in and it gets high blood pressure or some other illness, maybe a heart attack or, or a stroke or something like that. It's very difficult to work through. And guess what? We have to listen. We have to listen because it's talking loud and clear and it can, that information it's giving us can no longer be avoided. So it, that, what I'm saying by that is the body is our most powerful speaker. When it speaks in those kind of ways, we listen until we decide to stop listening again. Um, certainly that is true as well. We can certainly go back to old habits and routines and, and go back to just the way we've always done it if we, if we allow that to happen. But for at least temporarily, the body has been the master, just for a little bit. Whereas if we're listening to it, we may not ever have to go there. I say that the more we listen to our internal messaging system, the less we have to get messages from the external world. The more we listen to our internal messaging system, the less we have to get messages from the external world. So the body is definitely a part of that uh, external, internal messaging system. The body is telling us things all the time. And uh, tuning in is very important. So how do we begin to tune in? Well, we begin to let the body speak. We begin to hear it. If it's tired, we put it to bed. If it's hungry, we feed it. We try to give it what its appetite is looking for in small amounts, not in huge amounts, but in small amounts. The stomach really is no bigger than the size of your fist. It needs no more than the food it would take to fill that space up. So, you know, we don't have to stuff it. Um, we, and that stuffing comes from ignoring it other times, but if we tune into the body, we don't have to do that. We can pay attention to the taste, the flavor of what we're eating. We can pay attention to what it feels like as we're chewing it and eating it and it's going down into our stomach. We can take in food as a sensative experience instead of, instead of an experience where we're not really present with our bodies. Um, and as we do that, we begin to enjoy life more. We begin to fit the body that, we are, that our soul intends for us to have instead of expanding the, uh, the body 
beyond its normal uh, uh, space or shrinking it beneath its normal space. And we begin to experience life as joyful, as, um, as real, as legitimate, as something we can do because we are here meant to have that experience. So many times we get, get deserving. That word deserving fits in there. Oh, this is the life I deserve. I don't know about that word. That implies a lot of um, good and bad morality stuff thrown into the mix. You know, I deserve it if I've been good and I don't if I've been bad. And those words, of course, good and bad are, are culturally derived and, and I'm not sure of their meaning in different cultures and I'm not sure that measuring ourselves accordingly is uh, helpful to us at all. I do think that if, we, if we're paying attention to our body's experience, as well as our mind's experience, as well as our soul's experience, that we feel alive. And it isn't about deserving it. It's about being it. And uh, the more we think we have to deserve it, the less we're going to be it. Uh, so it's not about, oh, well, I deserve a good life. No, it's not about that. Nor, nor is it about I deserve a bad life. It's about I am alive and my experience is is telling me whether or not I'm really here in that life. And part of that experience is my body, and that body is a part of my soul. So I, the more I experience my body, the more I'm experiencing my soul, and that is just opposite of what we've been taught, but it is more true. And the more you uh, allow yourself the experience of your body, the more you're going to prove that to be true. So, okay, so what else can the body do? Well, it also can speak to us in dreams. It can speak to us about... Um, you know what's going on in the body people have people have dreams about being ill now what does that mean i don't know first let me say that i i don't know what your dreams mean you're the only one that's going to know for sure what your dreams mean and there is a resonating register inside of you that can say yeah that's it that's what the dream means or no 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 we got to keep looking that's not the right meaning yet so I'm not going to be able to interpret your dreams, and I, nor do I believe that any particular symbol means a designated thing to all people. Um, I, I think that the dictionaries that uh, give us what dreams might mean give us some ideas we can use to work with our images. They don't give us a definite um, explanation or interpretation of our dreams. Um, but our, our body can give us information through dreams. Literally, people have dreamed of being ill, in some way, like having a tumor or something like that, and have gone to the doctor within a few days of that dream, and it turned out to be true. Um, so our, our bodies can speak to our dream world. How does that happen? If there's really a disconnect between body, mind, and soul, then how does that happen? My explanation, of course, is that there is no disconnect. Um, the other thing is that the body is inherently... Um, animalistic it doesn't it's not living out a moral code it's living from just the truth of being like animals do and it doesn't lie it cannot lie so we'll be back on with that note in just a few minutes stay tuned we'll be back right after
Mark your calendar for the Institute of Noetic Sciences 14th Biennial Conference, Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming, July 20th to the 24th at the Weston Market Street Hotel in the heart of San Francisco. Deepak Chopra, Edgar Mitchell, Joanna Macy, and others will help you navigate a world transforming. Registration is now open and space is limited, so sign up now to join the ION's global community in July 2011. For more information, go to www.noetic.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the final segment, talking today about how much matter actually matters. We said just before the break that the body does not lie. And I want you to think about... Your, your own pet. Uh, has you, have you ever been tricked or fooled by your pet? Whether your pet's a horse, an elephant, a, a cat, or a dog, they don't lie. And our animal is the same way. Our animal, excuse me, our body is the same way. Our body does not tell us lies. It does not try to trick us. It does not try to fool us. It does not help us stay in illusion. The mind, on the other hand, can do all of that. And that's part of the reason why we can't necessarily say that if we push ourselves to think positive thoughts, that we're really being true to who we are, because we can think all kinds of positive thoughts, as we call them, and they might be coming from pure projection, which means we've got some unresolved issues to work with. But that's for another show. But the idea today is that if the body doesn't lie, then why would we not listen to it? Why would we say we don't need to be listening to it? Move your body. Have you ever felt like your body wants to move and you don't let it? I have. I could be driving along in my car and suddenly realize that I've been sitting listening to clients most of the day and I've just been sitting 
and suddenly my body wants to move, really move. And I have to, when I get home, I have to literally get to moving. I have to either exercise or I have to do yoga or I have to do something to get my body to move. The body gave me that information because it needed to move. And it, it was telling me it needed to move and because I felt this energetic force within me saying, yeah, you just need to move. And uh, I can't explain that any other way except that it felt like I needed to move. So we can, we can tune into those little things and not ignore them. We've been so taught to ignore that. You know, when we feel pain, we want to ignore it. We want to, you know, take a pill and make it go away. But really, it might be giving us information if we can sit with the pain for just a little bit. I'm not saying we should just, you know, white-knuckle it through, but pay attention just a little bit to that pain, and perhaps it has information under the pain about what's going on that might have been the cause of that pain. So tuning into the body is so such a rich experience. It gives us so much volumes of information that we just don't have any other way. But tuning into our material world is similar. We've been said, I said we were going to talk about this, so we're going to do this just before we close out. We've been taught that to love our material things is to be materialistic. And what I say is if we're not loving our material things, then we're not loving the part of us that created those material things. We have, as I said, created our worlds. And... um, so what have we created? What did we build into our world? What kind of TV did we buy? What kind of furniture did we buy? What, what kind of house did we select? What kind of apartment did we select? What were we doing when we did that? What was going on? The objects we put into our world have everything to do with who we are, who at least we see ourselves to be. Perhaps we see ourselves to be less than who we are, actually, but who we, who we see ourselves to be is how we create our world. So... Uh, what is in your world? I can tell you today that I absolutely love and adore my, my laptop computer. <laughs> I love and adore my laptop computer, and I work on it all the time because I'm a writer, and uh, I really enjoy that process of just being me and the computer, just sitting there together and working together to come up with a great sentence or a whole chapter or a poem, and, uh, and that's a beautiful process for me, and my computer is very much a part of that process. Um, I can tell you that I love uh, my, some of the furniture in my home. It's, and why do I love it? Because it just seems to be so comforting to my soul. Uh, these things matter. Our things matter. And for us to say that if we love our things, we're being materialistic, is to miss out on the point of the physical realm of existence. The physical realm of existence is just as important as the spiritual realm of existence. In fact we will not really experience the spiritual realm of experience until we are experiencing its physical correlative. So, so as we process through this experience of living life on planet Earth, a large part of it is going to be its physicality. And so we say to ourselves, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't really be thinking that way. That's materialistic. I have people say that to me all the time. Well, you know, I want this house, but I probably shouldn't think that way because that's being materialistic. No, it's not. It's a part of your, your, maybe a part of your soul reaching out, or it could be a projection you're making about how that house could make you different or better or something. I don't know, but the point is it's worth looking at and paying attention to uh, to find out what it's really saying. What is that desire really telling you about? And, and, and what does that house represent to you? What is... What what do its walls represent? What does the size of its kitchen represent? What does it mean to you? 
These things are important aspects of the soulful existence. We have a soulful existence to the degree that we plug in to that soul's physical experience. That means its objects, its things, and its body. And we also get to experience the mind as we do that, as we, as we allow the body and matter to take on its natural form then we also can allow the mind to relax. And, and instead of the mind pushing reality, the mind begins to experience reality. The mind that is always leaning toward trying to make it different, make it better, improve it, uh, you know, rush it through, make a project, get it done, race through life, excel, be upwardly mobile, that mind that's doing that is missing out on a whole lot of other things the mind could be doing if it were also plugged into the body and the soul. So as I'm saying this today, we are whole units. We are not split off into incremental parts of ourselves, unless, of course, we choose to think of ourselves that way. But even if we think of ourselves that way, that doesn't make it so. Now, we've done a lot of thinking over the past maybe 5, 10, 15 years about how there's a body-mind connection, that in the, the world, the medical world, we need to begin to connect the body to the mind and the mind to the body. <clears throat> I'll add to that, as I've said today, that the soul is a part of that equation as well. As a matter of fact, as I've said, the soul is the <clears throat> excuse me, the soul is the uh, experience of that wishes to be experienced through the body and the mind. So. Uh, as we process through this understanding of the soul as uh, the body as an experiencing part of the soul and the mind as an experiencing part of the soul, we begin to connect these three things. And if we take morality away uh, out of that equation for just a bit, just take it out of it for just a minute if you can. Stop thinking in terms of improvement or trying to be good or trying to deserve or, try, uh, or splitting off between good and evil, if you can just put that aside for just a minute and experience the body as a, not, as a truthful experience of life and the mind as the ability to allow the body to experience life and the soul as the organizing principle of the two, then you come at life from a whole different direction. So that's it for today. Next week, we're going to be talking to Betsy Otter Thompson about her book, Walking Through Illusion. So stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss it. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.